Hello, Disney's Folliers, fans, friends, and folks. How are you out there? Here's Ryan. Happy unbirthday, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, happy unbirthday, Justine. Oh, thank you. It yes, is my unbirthday. It's such a coincidence it that is, we have on the same day. It is such a coincidence. Who'd have thought? Thank goodness we're family now that we've just consolidated all these similarities that we yes, have. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. And Merry unbirthday to you, listeners. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Each and every one of you. What a wonderful occasion. Folliers? Is that what we decided to call our Well, listeners? that was the one I liked better, I think. <laughs> Foley Artist was the runner-up, but hey, we've still got an open inbox yeah. and anything else for you to send us suggestions as to what you'd like to be called, because that's how it should work. Yeah, speaking of open inbox, we got our first email. <gasps> we got our first email? Yes, from Miss Brooke. Hi, Brooke. Thanks Hello, for listening. Brooke. Thank you for writing. Yeah, she suggested she would really dig an Epcot episode, so we're going to try to figure out when we can put that in, Miss Brooke. Yeah, absolutely. We've been talking. Um, we appreciate that you guys uh, have been listening, and we know we have uh, several of you out there now, and thank mm-hmm. you very much for lending an ear to this uh, crazy pursuit of ours. Uh, <laughs> we've been talking about maybe some special content here and there. Yes, doing different episodes where we focus on the parks or whatnot. I mean, I love when we go off on them organically. Yeah, we talk more sometimes about things that don't have to do <laughs> with the features. But um, speaking of, and I forgot, um, I am supposedly doing a crossover episode soon with the lovely ladies over at Talk Straight. We're going to be doing that Disney administration. <laughs> Very exciting, very <laughs> so exciting. So that's tune yet in to for be that. recorded, but hopefully by the time this comes out, maybe we can get something together. And, yeah. Um, and keep re- it and if not, ground. I was on an episode of that podcast, so come and check it out. I think it was called like, the Tipsy Princess episode. The Tipsy Princess episode. Something Wonderful. like that. Wonderful. Okay, well, shout out Talk Straight. <laughs> well, what are we here to talk about today, Justine? Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> Now, this is uh, a unique film in the Disney canon. Uh, mm-hmm. We're here in the classic stretch. Just about every film for a while <sighs> is a favorite of somebody. It's so nice to be here, right? Yes, it it's really so is. Oh, my gosh. I remember how long that war was. Oh, and, my uh, God. All it took from us. But, it took but a lot. It sure did. I mean, I'm sure back. it was hell for the people who actually went through it, but it felt like we went through it. It's true. It's true. <laughs> we felt a shadow of what you did. So if you guys from the nursing homes want to get together, we can talk. We can share yeah. stories. We can. Um, but it's now it's the roaring 50s, and everything is in full swing. Swing, or 1951. is it? 1951. And yet, there were rumblings of Alice in the Disney canon much earlier than that, weren't there? Yes. So, as most of us should know by now, and if you don't, that's okay too, Disney kind of started with his cartoon and mixing art with the live-action Alice shorts. Yeah, yeah. So what he did, he had a real-life little girl and kind of created a background cartoon world around her, and mm-hmm. it was called the Alice shorts, and so it was kind of little adventures with this little adorable Shirley Temple-like yeah. actress. This, this is from the first films he'd ever made, right? Yeah, and he was way ex- back. Ex- yeah, way. Experimenting with how to do the medium, like mm-hmm. live action and cartoon all mixed together. This is yeah. kind of what really, like, sparked a lot of it. He made these pre-Snow White. Mm-hmm. So he'd been working on this movie or had the idea for this movie for a long, long time. Right. It was in the late 30s that they had started to develop some storyboards yes. and some plotting. A lot of people were brought in to try to bring the Alice Project off the ground. And, you know, the interesting thing about all of that, the, the earliness of attempting the project, is that we see a preview of it pretty proudly displayed toward the beginning of uh, Isn't It Pinocchio? Yes, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. that bookshelf you'll remember back in episode two, and you can always go back and listen to oh, these episodes. Do. They get better with age, you know, they just really like do. the finest of ones. I mean, not to sound vain, but I listen to us back again all the time. Definitely. You know, whenever I'm feeling bad, I just, I play us, and I'm like, my gosh, you know, we're both so socially adept, and we have Agreed. such sonorous voices. Yes, Agreed. yes, no, no insecurity at all. No. But yeah, on the bookshelf in the Pinocchio film, there's a beautiful shot, uh, Alice in Wonderland 
Simon Peter Pan. This is a staple of certain other. Uh, Pixar had a thing where they had. Um, oh, it was the opposite. And yeah, and yeah, exactly. Well, not they the opposite. Little, they preview well, the ones coming up. That's right. They always preview a little bit. I was thinking though. I believe in Toy Story they have books on the shelf and they're uh, references to previous shorts. Yes. So I got the yeah. two confused. Yeah. Yes, I but, mean, well, um, that was their first one, so they didn't. Have, right. Yeah. But it's an early example of Easter egging projects, and of course, Disney is discovering, pioneering mm-hmm. how long it is. You know, it takes to make these movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. So speaking of kind of Easter eggs, real quick, I want to touch on this. I looked for two things that I mentioned that I saw in the trivia. I looked for both of them. I only found one of them and one of them we'll save for later. Mm-hmm. But apparently you see a hidden Mickey in this and it's coming from the smoke of the Admiral kind of character. Okay. I didn't know when. The every time, fellow? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every time he was on screen, I tried looking for it and I didn't see it. I don't know when it was when he was with White Rabbit around his house. I don't know if it was when we first met him. Mm-hmm. I kind of rushed through reading it. But yeah, apparently there's a hidden Mickey. Wow. I did not see it. Do you know if this is one of the first instances of a hidden Mickey it's the in first, the future? I mean, I... Because, <sighs> I mean, you'd think there'd be opportunity previously. Unless we missed that trivia in all the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this was... I mean, I don't think it's in Cinderella. Yeah. Well, two things, friends. Uh, again, in the spirit of uh, open communication, if you, A, uh, discover that there was a hidden oh, Mickey yeah. in your previous feature, or B, get a screenshot of the hidden Mickey Ooh, in Alice, it send it in, and in the spirit of promising you uh, things that we can't actually deliver, uh, we will buy you annual passes in exchange. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Ryan it's a good that. deal. Not I said me. that. No, he's like, you can't legally um, hold me to it. No, what you should do, totally find us on Facebook, Disney's Follies mm-hmm. on Facebook, and start a discussion on this post. Like, we have a healthy amount of fans yeah. that like us on that page. And, you know, we like to talk. We, we like to talk. shoot the breeze. And it's a little bit of a tumbleweed yeah, area right now. So, like, <laughs> with these really great films coming up, Cinderella, Peter Pan coming up, mm-hmm. and even some of the duds. Let's talk about some of the stuff we messed oh, yeah. up on. Let's talk about your favorite quote that Ryan and I said. Oh, totally. Get in there while it's hot, because we're yeah. all obsessives here, and what's right. better than sharing an obsession? And as long as you're not making fun of my voice or accent or editing skills, oh, sure. then I'm good with any critiques that you have on misinformation, I said. I want to make sure I'm right. So. Absolutely. I, we, we get it wrong a lot. It's in the spirit of the show. But it's always in hopes that somebody will come in and elucidate yeah. where, we, where we don't know. Well, and hey, Miss Brooke, like, let's talk. Let's get a list going of what you want to talk about and what you want to know Heck from yeah. Epcot. Pick, so, and, you know, in addition to inspiring uh, special content, pick your favorite feature and uh, maybe we can arrange a guest spot. You know, this oh, kind of thing. Oh, that would be lovely. Anybody, yeah. that, anybody that can uh, form a complete sentence, which we do, what how, what's the percentage? Like 47% oh. of the time? Oh, that's, that's, that's generous. <laughs> and that's, that's pre-edit, you know what I mean? So it's one of those. <laughs> anyway, just a little segue there. And then the other one I'm going to save for when we do the synopsis. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just two little cute Easter eggs. And this is the first time I've noticed them, at least in the trivia in the movie. Sure, so, absolutely. There's been kind of instances of characters, like reference, like we know that Cinderella kind of looked like some other characters yeah, that they yeah. were working on. Or like the Duke came back in some sort of interest in. Right. I mean, but, Alice comes back in the subsequent feature, and we can talk about that. It's oh. the same It's the same actor, Catherine oh, Beaumont. Oh, yes. And it's, oh, the, uh, the voice actor. Yes. yes, yes. Uh, Wendy is, is very close to the persona. She's in the next movie, mm-hmm. right? And exactly. they're both, those characters are around the same age? Yeah, quite similar in, in demeanor, so, uh, in yeah. Britishness, and in oh, their, yeah, for their, sure. you know, their primness and dryness. And time period? Yeah, something is, like well, it, no, is they're both a little bit earlier? We've actually, we discussed this when we talked about the books in Pinocchio Shelf. They're both mm-hmm. in the late 19th century. Uh, are Alice, those both the ones that are referenced? I'm sorry. They are. They are. Okay, the two next okay. to each other, which is funny that Perfect. they came out one after the yeah. other after all that time. Um, and we said in the in the other podcast, you know, well, the kids that were waiting on that were pretty old by the time it came around. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know about when uh, much of the Peter Pan history we're going to have to come up with before we do the episode. Uh, Alice is, is a book that actually I, I was predisposed to. Do you want to talk about the book first? Since yeah, well, the, yeah, let's uh, orient and go ahead and, and, okay. and get into so, this. So, funny story, our shared relative, I guess, mm-hmm. Aaron, got me a beautiful, beautiful 
Alice in Wonderland book a couple of years ago, and it was hardcover and just wonderful. And I haven't read from it yet because mm. it's all the stories, I think, because I'm afraid of like creasing the spine. Oh, sure. Oh, you know? sure. It's such oh, a gosh. pretty book. And yeah. so it's hardcover. It's beautiful. She got me that because I was just interested in like getting to know the classics. Like this of was course. a long time ago, way before. And mm. the same Miss Aaron. Yes, got me an edition. Alice in Wonderland. I mean, it has a classic set of illustrations in the original edition, but because of the source material, I mean, you can see it inspiring Disney, inspiring a lot of people to kind of interpret it mm-hmm. in different ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, the best thing, I mean, Erin has gotten me multiple editions of Alice in Wonderland see. because, I mean, I should I should establish this by now. This, this was my first favorite book. And wow. it wasn't just my first favorite book. It was the first, yes, it was for children, but it was not expressly for children. Right. Queen you, Victoria. You enjoy it again as an adult. Yeah. Queen Victoria was mentioned that up she liked how. it and mm-hmm. someone else in the... Yeah, they mentioned it, it was an immediate sensation. Right. When it was published in 1865, it was not a book that struggled to get recognition. Really? Yeah. Wow. yeah, Charles Dodgson, a mathematician, a clever, shy man with a stammer, and as many of you know, <laughs> well, a, you're not a possible... No, well, you know, no, nothing, I don't have a stammer. <laughs> I mean, I do sometimes when I'm trying to get my words out here. Actually, no, they've heard it. The one way where we really diverge is that he, he was a possible, um, I'm going to say the term, child abuser. No, wait, that's the other guy. That's Peter Pan. It's both of them. No! Yes, it doesn't hurt what Disney did. Um, here's the thing. But you tell the story of those little girls. Did anything happen to those little girls? Oh my God, tell me something. Let me lay, let me lay it out to you because oh I've given you the basic the basic Why introduction. Why did it get so dark on this podcast so quickly? Oh, we didn't do it. He did it back in 1865 or Holy earlier. Shit. Let me lay it out for you guys, okay? And then I can talk about the beauty of the book. He was inspired to write Alice because he had a um, he had a friendship with the family. Uh, he was a sociable man and uh, he, he he enjoyed uh, he enjoyed kids. Aww. No, no. Let me let me lay it out. It, it's not confirmed, but it's one of those cases where, especially in the day and age where we have to consider art from artists and where we're really taking a reckoning. It's like, well, why do we have to uh, be patient through men's behavior and hail what they do um, when they've caused so much destruction as well? Now, there's nothing proven with Charles Dodgson, but let's get into it and you can draw your own conclusions. Okay. He he had a friendship with this family and he was mm-hmm. very close to, it's a trio of children. He had three girls. Three girls, and as illustrated in the poetic introduction of Alice, it was a boat ride with these children he mm-hmm. was inspired to write the story. Now, there was no... Nobody has speculated that boat well, ride because, included any malfeasance. Okay, because, like, it was a stormy weather season to kind of, like, keep the girls' minds off the storm. Something, yeah, telling, something that's Telling them the story like about going, like, Alice underground. He's making... Yeah, he's making up a story. And yes, it was originally called Alice's Adventures Underground. In fact, they do still publish editions of the slim uh, volume that he wrote, the first draft himself, and it's handwritten in all his illustrations, which is interesting. He doesn't illustrate as well as nearly as anybody else that interpreted his work afterwards. But it's the three girls, and Alice was the middle child. Um, I think the last name is pronounced Little. It's L-I-D-D-E-L-L. Yeah. And uh, you can tell in the introduction, he talks about how the old one is interested in a story, and the young one, they're about two years apart from about ten to six, uh-huh. and the young one keeps interrupting the story, but Alice insists there must be nonsense in it. Oh. There must be nonsense in the story. And you know, the great thing about the book, mm-hmm. because the book has existed for so long, I'm sorry, you sound so uncomfortable to see. You don't have to brace yourself any farther because there's nothing too lurid or concrete. There's just suggestion. But, uh, uh, that's because it was it, so it's back a terrible then, and no one thought. Trusted the girls it's and a terrible probably, exactly. Oh well, I'll tell I'll tell you that secret all their lives. I'll tell you more about it. I have um, my hood on before this turns into a true crime podcast. So okay, so the, the whole idea is that Alice was a child that was she must have had a particular ingenuity or a particular sense of wonder that really sure. drew him to her. He was very close to the family. It was famous from the moment of publication that she inspired the book. And, you know, and the book was a landmark in terms of applying a certain kind of intelligence, mm-hmm. a, a covert intelligence. Intelligence, 
a tone, a humor yeah. to children's literature. And of course, a surrealism. Okay, so there is just speculation. But one of the things that Charles Dodgson was, in addition to a mathematician and a writer, was a photographer. Mm-hmm. And in the Victorian era, the late Victorian era, um, nude depictions of children were not looked upon as um, expressly sexual. They weren't necessarily expressly sexual in the depiction, but there, the, children could be photographed in the nude without any speculation. Explain my face. A, uh, it's wide open. It's oh, like a, it's like a, no. the, the Mad Hatter with his lips parted. Yes. No. <laughs> you know they. Okay. Well, uh, there's even more. Gosh, this is a dark beginning to my favorite, <laughs> my favorite books podcast. Okay, anyway, so um, so uh, there are also some some less published Alice? photographs. Um, I believe she was a subject, but I don't think she was photographed in the nude. Oh, there is a pi- there is an image of her older sister that's in contention. But here's what happened. Oh, here's 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 the part where we have to say, okay, there's enough here. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an unexplained break for about four years just before the publication of the book in Charles Dodgson's diaries. And he kept a lot of them. And around that time, uh, toward the late part of that, early 1860s, there's an unexplained break with the family that Alice Alice belonged to. They were previously very close, and all of a sudden, without any historical record, they stopped talking. Yeah. So here are the other pieces of evidence that we have. There is a document post... A posthumous document. Let me say that better. There is a post-mortem indication Mm -hmm. of why there's missing stuff in the diaries by his sister, Victoria, that he was using the family to get close to their governess, which, given that the governess was of age, is a little more appropriate. That was the first time I breathed since we started talking about this. Holy shit. Yes, we're empaths here, but Justine especially. So guys, send her flowers. Um, Oh my god, please. Absolutely. Or, you know, just, you know, pins or trinkets or nice snacks. Well-packaged bagels from New York. Oh. Are you kidding me? We would both want that. Yeah. Um, but but there is one document, there's Ooh. one piece of evidence that is in contention, but it came out a couple years ago. Okay. There is a photograph that they believe to be of the older sister. Mm. And the older sister... Would she have been an age at that time? Or still no, 10? No, no, no. Still, not still 10, but um, in her 12? teens, in before the age when it's like, okay, maybe. Oh, and the photograph, they don't know if it's of her but it looks like it's of her and it looks private and she looks a little bit afraid in it according <gasps> to the people that have interpreted it. Holy um, sh- Guys, don't Google these, obviously, because, you know, it's one of those things. But, um... Th- so there are. The bottom line is, he was a photographer of nude children, and he 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 said it was purely aesthetic in his lifetime. And nobody really. He was a bachelor, and nobody really knew what his tastes were. But there's just enough missing there to kind of say, look, if you want to write him off and his work off for the fact that he may have been a oh, child molester, at the end of the day, know. you know, it is what it is. Look, I know, I know the separation of art and artist. There's a debate about whether or not it's irresponsible. But for the moment, in order to talk about a feature film that was yeah. made by all nice people, yes, that's as true. As far as we know, despite you know their various peccadillos. Nothing as bad as this. No. Let's just talk about the source material. Because no matter who wrote it, at age eight, this was the first classic I picked up. And something about the sensibility really got to me. Something about the humor really got... I can see that. I'm sure most would say that. No, I can see that. No, no, it's not It's not not a compliment. It just... No, it's not. But it's not a a diss. It's not a diss. No, is what I'm saying. Is it's like... Is diss the opposite? Yeah, why is it not? I use a double negative. It doesn't cut me to the bone, that's for sure. I don't bleed over it. I meant it as a compliment. Yeah, no, definitely. 
definitely. This book transfixed me because it was all the weird stuff I was strangely attracted to, just the sort of that surrealism, that, right. that, that contra-realism with a purpose. And then yeah. the tone of it, it's prim, but you can hear the subversive humor coming through with I every agree. sentence. I yes. agree. Yes, and um, all of you that have read it know this. Go ahead. In the in the short that we watched, it was a very short short behind the scenes. Normally mm-hmm. some of these behind the scenes ones with the animation yeah, are really long. We put it on, we started making the cocktail to like listen to and absorb our information, and then all of a sudden it was over. Mm-hmm. But um, they did mention that like what was hard for them to make when they were making this in the 30s was to convey the written humor. Exactly. A lot of the strength, one of the animators said, is in the writing. Is in the writing. Exactly and it's that. a pure, it's such a visual medium. What, what is an interesting thing is he involved a lot of people trying to adapt it and one of them was the author of Brave New World, Aldous Huxley. I have no idea what cafe they oh. ran into each other at. But it's a long way from a Disney adaptation of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland to Brave New World. Apparently yes. Huxley's version, written in the mid-40s, so this is when they were resuming production and really serious about doing right. it. His version actually incorporated Queen Victoria. Like, it played oh. with the source material in such a way where it was like, okay, well, Queen Victoria is this is the deus ex machina, is the savior of the plot, because she knows about Alice, and Alice is very popular in Victorian times. Interesting. So it got a little out there, but um, according to the writers interviewed in the featurette, it's just that Aldous Huxley was um, too close to the tone of the book. Yeah, his mother was someone that he photographed, and so he, he, was, he was kind of close to the story, and Disney didn't find that it gelled with <gasps> Disney ideas. Aldous Huxley's mother had been photographed by Lewis Carroll? As a parent, according Ooh, to IMDb. Small world. Julia small Arnold world. was one of the little girls that he used to enjoy photographing, and whom he told Alice stories to. Wow. Thus, the project was close to Huxley's heart, but Disney found it to be too intellectual, and it was not used, and Huxley did not receive any credit in the oh, finished What fiction. marvelous. It sound, as from what you read, it sounds like it was better not well, that way, yeah, but it's I a fun piece of trivia. Shout out IMDb especially trivia. Especially with the, the dark history that we just talked about, mm. it just seems like maybe that's probably for the best. It, yeah, it's all It would have been a completely different story, and it's already kind of a, an insane story. Yes, yes. Um, it, it, you can see, for one of the first times, Disney kind of struggling with how to play the tone. Yeah. Let me wrap up the book real quick yeah, insofar as um, just, you know, when you think back on childhood, you think back of just, it, it feels dreamlike. It does. It feels dreamlike. And the way the books are written, I mean, these are books that influenced people like John Lennon and stuff like that. Just oh, yeah, that, for sure. And, and the, the Alice and the sequel through The Looking Glass, which most of that book is not incorporated, um, but they're, so, they're such cool books. If you can mm-hmm. put aside, if you can put aside the fella, just go ahead and get into the books because they'll change yeah. your life. There's a great scene, for instance, in Through the Looking Glass where all of a sudden Alice is in a shop talking to this sheep that runs the shop and all of a sudden it shifts and they're in a boat. What? And I just, there's something about that playing with dream reality that's always, I've always been attracted to it and I love this story for that as well as its humor, mm-hmm. as well as its logic. Yeah, um, I But I, I remember it was just before we moved down to Texas and I remember um, reading the Rand McNally map in the mid-90s mm-hmm. going down to Texas mm-hmm. and noticing, oh, nearby Dallas there are two cities right next to each other, Louisville and Carrollton and it's spelled oh, exactly the fun. same as Lewis Carroll so I was like, maybe it won't be so bad. Oh, News flash, sweet. it was a mixed bag, but um, yeah, <laughs> but it, I, I would say that that book probably carried me through growing up in Texas on some oh, level. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, definitely. So, just childhood Alice in Wonderland stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the elementary school that Aaron and I went to, mm-hmm. um, we did these like big, huge musical numbers that they were they had no business doing because mm-hmm. <laughs> they were very unprepared. For example, I was in oh my god, fourth or fifth grade. Everyone, every grade could be in this, and we did Alice in Wonderland. I didn't realize you guys were such performers. Um, you were in well, these the whole the whole school was almost involved. And at that age, involved. you can't be called on to do too much, but and still, you were yeah, on stage. Yeah, so I was a, well, of course, but you, I was Well, yes, no, I'm sure you were drawn. <laughs> um, Every video you see of young Justine, she's ready for it. She knows what's happening, and she's giving you fun business to watch. It's cool. You've seen my previous 
pre-K graduation video, right? Is that the one where you kiss the priest? <laughs> Monsignor, but yes. <laughs> I the don't title know what to right. do. Every other instance where I was congratulated by an adult was a family member. What do you Yeah, know? yeah. I was definitely. four. I was adorable. Um, hey, if you pick the right priest, we should all give a priest a kiss. It was a Monsignor. There, so. A Monsignor. They're yeah, holier. They're, that's true. Closer to God. <laughs> Closer so. to God. Um, anyway, so I was a morning glory, and my sister Erin was a daisy, and so we just sang that adorable little song that they yes. used. But that was my, that's kind of my childhood memory of it. And then apparently it was a lot more familiar than I thought. I thought kind of like, oh, this movie was a little bit weird. Maybe we didn't watch it as much, but. Rewatching, I was like, "This is all very, very familiar." Oh yes, so my must, wife was singing every every boring song, it, quoting every line. It, it was must fantastic. have been like really prevalent on the VCR. Mm-hmm. Maybe what we did is we put that one on re- while we were yeah. winding another one, and because my grandfather got us this cool like VHS rewinder, really, so we could like watch a video it, while we were rewinding another one. Because he was probably like, That's "I know fantastic. how rambunctious you children are. <laughs> Let's put in another <laughs> video." Placator is is a Disney video cassette, right? But but you don't want to you want to be able to rewind it so you yes. can play it again. So let's rewind it while you're watching. That sounds like one. ingenious machine. He was a he was a great genius of a man. Yes, so. that's what I hear. Every every word is spoken about <laughs> in, the, in the household. And you know, I gotta say too, we're of the generation. So many of us are mm-hmm. around our age, a little less, a little whatever. I don't know. I don't but um, where it was like we had the VHS is the mm-hmm. catchphrase. We had the VHS in the wake of the I Disney love those Renaissance. VHSs. I think there's a cute little souvenir that you can get at the Disney store, mm-hmm. and it's not all the movies, but I think like Beauty and the Beast is one. But you like open it and. Look looks like the old VHS, but it's mm-hmm. like notebook paper or something like that. Okay, okay. Or I think Corey got it, or maybe she just looked at it, but it was like, it looked like a VHS, but it's just like yeah. a sticky pad of notebook paper. Look how suddenly like we a... toss out gift ideas. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's one of those. Uh, well, you know what I remember about VHS is that I just remembered sure. talking about the studio yeah. that I always, you remember they had tracking, which was little fuzz at the beginning, and there was a little button on the VHS if a cassette, and they were always Disney cassettes. Yeah. If a cassette was too fuzzy, you'd press the button and the tracking would go away. What? I mean, you don't remember this? You didn't have this? Uh, maybe we just assumed that it would eventually go away or that's how the Yeah, yeah. It was wow. something that our parents mentioned. Yeah, something called tracking. Gosh, if you remember tracking. Maybe my parents pressed the button, but I think it was yeah. too tall for us to press right, it. Right, right. So yeah, very, very, uh, a book that, if, you know, and it's a book that um, has influenced a lot of other children's oh, books and yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one that comes immediately to mind is the Series of Unfortunate Events series <gasps> by... That is, that is, yeah. yeah. By, that was a redundant way to put it, by Daniel Handler. Uh, it basically takes that tone and then and, and crafts what I think is a, a, a beautiful narrative about orphans, uh, just as good as, mm-hmm. as Harry Potter in its way. Um, I endorse that version if you don't want to read one by a, uh, a terrible person. Wait, J.K. Rowling's a terrible person? No, you can read Harry Potter, too. I'm saying if you don't want to read Alice in Wonderland or don't oh, want to show your kids I have, Alice in Wonderland. I have a quick question. Tell um, me. Lewis Carroll and then the guy who did, like, Narnia. Is that the same guy? Oh, no. C.S. Lewis. Are they are they contemporaries? I think he's uh, C.S. Lewis is early 20th century is when he writes. So, so, n- so, yeah, so not a little bit later. Yeah. But do you think that could have, like, he took it in a different way, whereas a fanciful oh, yeah. world, slightly more religious influence. Yeah, but yeah. But still a fanciful world. I definitely think he's and a descendant the of the style. Peter Pan author. 
I would have been more of a contemporary. J.M. Barry. More of a contemporary. Okay. Yeah. I was curious to see who else he kind of might have influenced. We'll have to see. Yeah, that'll be an interesting story to interpret uh, uh, Peter Pan in what about, context. What about A.A. Milne? I contemporary, would, or is that earlier? He's, he is more contemporary with C.S. Lewis, Okay, I okay, cool. I These are guesses, saying, guys, if I'm wrong, but I'm no, pretty sure about it. Right. That sounds right. I will definitely say C.S. Lewis especially, the whole idea of a journey oh. into another realm, the whole idea of talking animals, I mean, it's a very influential story. The whole story. Chronicles, like, I have it, and I've, I've read it on multiple trips to Santa Fe, like, it's just, I love all of them. Yes. No, we endorse the Chronicles, yeah, and so obviously good. they're morally upright, so there you go. I just like them. Anyway, yeah, yeah. so we talked about well, what, what I'll say, actually, what I'll say yeah, about the source material, too, is that what I got obsessed with, my very first edition was this beautiful, um, young, it was like modern library classics, is these little hardbound books with oh, different yeah. colors you'd uh-huh. see in the kids section, like Barnes and Nobles and stuff. And I remember that image was just the image of um, it's John Tenniel as the illustrator, the original illustrator, Ooh. and they're classic illustrations. And um, there's the image on the front of that first book I got, the red one, with uh, Alice being handed the thimble by the dodo in the caucus race. And that actually does refer to something that's not specifically in the movie. But what I what I did as a kid is I would collect all the different editions with all the different illustrations and stuff like that. And that that's was one beautiful. thing I had fun doing. Yes, and my wife, um, I don't even think I came out and said it. In addition to buying me a couple of those editions in my adulthood, because she loves me and is a great gift giver, yeah. she bought me the best thing she's ever done. She got me Prince of Salvador Dali did a series in watercolor in the late 60s or early oh, 70s. Wow. Didn't get published the edition, but they are freaky and they are wonderful. Mm. We framed them up. That was a wonderful day. We put them all up on the wall that and the last pad. And yeah, that was a great gift of hers. So. Um, what was I going to say? Must be a lie. Uh, art, childhood, C.S. Lewis, I forget. Oh, so you collecting all the different artwork kind of reminds me. Did you ever see that movie? Definitely, maybe. With no, Ryan Reynolds. I've heard the Oasis album. Oh, with the kid. Isla and the, the, the kid that reminds me of Amy. The, yeah. Is the Breslin? Yeah, Breslin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Amy? It's, yeah, yeah. Amy Adams. No, Isla no, Fisher. No, it's Isla. The uh, other or Amy Isla. Adams. Yeah, Isla, Isla Fisher. Isla. Anyway, she, like her, something about like collecting Jane Austen books, but be, but because her father wrote an inscription, an inscription to her. Oh. So she has this like, her wall was like when he visits her apartment is like lined with like different editions of like different first editions of Jane Austen. Yeah. Or, or whatever the book is, I forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, That's so I can cool. just imagine when you guys get like a bigger place, like just like this is, this is like the Alice in Wonderland room. Right. Right. All your literary editions that Aaron's oh, yes. got you throughout the years and then your yes. posters. Oh, I wish I had there. some of the ones that as a kid, too. It could, be our, it could be our podcasting room. Yeah, absolutely. I, I oh. imagine, just, you know, I imagine in the future a lovely study and a beautiful oh, yeah. area where we just, we podcast as we watch mm-hmm. the sun come through the windows. In our cul-de-sac, right? In our cul-de-sac, exactly. Which, which I want to say, I, I changed compound. Why didn't I say estate? I was, like, editing the episode, like, mm. just yelling at myself, like, estate, estate. <laughs> yeah, give credit You're where it's You're trying due. to think of estate, like, it's okay. still. As we monetize this, we'll be able to get whatever you know, estate is really ideal yes. for it. Really, I just want to live in a cul-de-sac with you mm-hmm. and Corey and... Yeah, the whole gang. The whole gang. It will be wonderful. And be yes, so nice. And the days that they leave us alone, we can just gather up in that beautiful book nook and, yeah. and talk our hearts out. Um, oh, do you remember the show, the... Oh, shoot. It was like Oklahoma base, but she had like this beautiful bay window and she would read at it. It was like, the, not the Torkelsons, but kind of like the Torkel. Like the, it was a Disney Channel TV series. Okay. We're going to cut Which this. Which is why I don't know what you're talking about, but I... I uh, thought it was the Torkelsons. <laughs> People say God looks out for the working man. Sure hope he's looking out for me. These empty pockets need a helping hand Kitchen tables full of family
anyway, but like she, the oldest daughter had this like gorgeous big window that she would open up and just like with this beautiful like book bench nook that she would just sit and read at. And just like that's what I see in the room. Yeah. Like, open up like dark emerald walls. I don't know why. Like built in shelves for the, all the Alice in Wonderland books. The posters mm. everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. A nice, a nice chair and the hanging microphone set up and then like a beautiful open bay window. Yeah. I'll tell you, talking about this mythical podcast room reminds me of two things. <laughs> One, when you're describing that like that, it just makes me think of all the dis- the images you see in Disney movies where you're like, you know, whether it's the pink clouds or this kind of oh, decor yeah. in a cottage or yeah. it's like, oh, this, it, it, it really gives you a love of the visual and it, it really does. helps you connect you with things you maybe haven't seen yet, but really are taken by. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is talking about all the books on the shelves, all the different, uh, you know, books filling the shelves. You know, this is one of the reasons when I was a kid, I was like, oh, I'll read every, every book that mm-hmm. a Disney movie is based on. He was a real literateur in a way back he then. Was. I mean, he, he adapted all well, these classics. Okay. So I think what it was is he wasn't very good at school, I think, mm. but when he, he was like delivering papers and had like an accident where he had, it was holed up for a while and mm-hmm. that's when he started drawing. And so I wonder if like a lot of his drawing came from maybe just him reading books at home, stuck at home. Cause obviously there weren't TV, there were not TVs back then. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if like, that's where a lot of his like love from literature came from. And we already discussed before, like, I mean, if these authors are late 1800s contemporary, mm-hmm. contemporary to that time, he liked Civil War, he liked Abe Lincoln, he liked that time period. Yeah. So it makes sense to gravitate towards that. And yeah. I'm not sure, like, I know it was one of his aunts that like gifted him a drawing set. I don't know, maybe she was the same one who like had, had a library that he was able to. Yeah. That was in Missouri, so mm-hmm. not in Chicago where he, I think, was where he injured himself. But anyway, um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe, it, I think maybe it was the injury that maybe like, yeah. Oh, yeah, or maybe being overseas in France and being over there, maybe like picking up books from other soldiers. Oh, for being sure. Like, this is, this is a, you know, this was my favorite when I was a kid, mm-hmm. aka last year. <sighs> anyway. I mean, I mean, of course, I mean, as we were talking about this, of course we don't mean he tried to adapt like Les Miserables or anything like oh, that, no, no, but no, it's no. like, but he, he did have a keen eye for children's stories. For children's stories. And Alice in Wonderland was one of those, but it's well, still, yeah. it's still like, we, we with the twist, but there's still, there's still a literary aspect to these early yeah, Disney movies that's really, very cool. I kind of appreciate it. I'm glad that there's like cool source material yeah, that we can absolutely. reference, at least for like, I mean, I know all that whole package film business, but even then some of them were picked from literary devices, mm-hmm. which I like, is, is cool to know, like if we ever become parents, like it's good to know, oh, like our kid really likes this, let's, yeah. let's point them to the story. Right. I mean, even as, story. as late as the 90s, it means like Lion King's based on Hamlet, right? And, oh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Back and then you can go back to the ones that are based on, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so. the Arabian Nights might not read all of them to your kid, right. but some of them. Yeah. There's an educational aspect throughout. Yeah. So the thing about all the different editions of Alice in Wonderland is you get the sense that it's funny. There's been a lot of adaptations as well. Yeah. I knew who I was when I got up this morning. So I must have changed something. You ever see a caterpillar puffing on a pipe? Or a mouth with a sail on the tip of its tail? Certain little girl once did. And she got into a hole, poor kid. Please come back. Don't be afraid of me. Why shouldn't I be afraid of you? I've never heard of a girl in the middle of the ocean sitting on a bottle talking to a mouse. The dormouse is asleep again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, of course, of course, that's what I was going to say myself. Uh, I shouldn't be doing this. Sure you should. You're all alone out here with just your imagination. The Herald, read the accusation. The Queen of Hearts. She made some tarts. All on a summer's day. Why is a raven like a writing desk? I give up. Why is a raven like a writing desk? 
I haven't the vaguest idea. <laughs> Then why did you ask the question? Srastai Havu. Can you tell me which way to go? Well, that depends on where you want to get to. The garden. Why do you want to go there? It looks safe. Sometimes things that look safe turn out nasty. I love a warm pig belly for my aching feet. Would you like one? No, thank you. Sit. And <laughs> if you've read the book, I'm telling you, it's not one of those things where people are just like blindly fidelitous. If you've read the book, it is very hard to adapt it in a way that feels right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this version is yeah. among those. How do you, do you think it did a good job? I think rewatching it, I've always considered this one of my favorite Disney movies because it has a tone that's similar. It is mm -hmm. a little bit more like sort of sardonic and subversive yeah. than you guys have Which I can like because it's the first kind of sarcastic mainstream Disney movie. Yeah, it's, it's not a movie movie that, that has this core of like beautiful big optimism or everything mm -hmm. working out. It's a little strange. Yeah. The only problem with it is that I don't always think it goes for the strange in a way that entirely works. I don't think it's the best adaptation but I do think it's a classic and I the do. Alice is perfect. I agree. And as for you, your majesty, your majesty indeed, why you're not a queen, but just a, a fat pompous, bad-tempered old tyrant. Tyrant. This Catherine Beaumont girl, you know it was going to be the little girl that was in Fun and Fancy Free in Melody Time? That little Shirley Tem- Yeah. Justine's grimace is apt. I'll tell you. The you one who was also that. in Song of the South? Mm-hmm. He thought about everybody in his stable. But this British girl, I mean, she has to be British, otherwise she's too talented. Like, yeah. you can tell there was a lot of the rotoscoping. Right. Um, she looks very much like the character, and right. the character constantly behaves in a realistic way that the other action is beautifully juxtaposed with. I think it's great. I think it's, it's great. But her delivery is so perfect. Yeah, she's, I mean, you said she was how old when she was 13 when it was released. So, so who she's knows? She's kind of like, a, then the way she delivers delivers her sarcastic lines, I feel like is modern it's 13. It's mature. Modern it is 13. knowing exactly right. So yeah. she was she was a catch. And then, but it's so interesting because I didn't realize it was the same voice as Wendy because Wendy has so much of a sweeter quality. Yes. And that prop, I don't know if they were recorded at the same time. Right. But I, I'm sure if we but, had watched it, you would have, and I hadn't told you that, you would have pointed it out. I would have. I would have. Because I remembered it while watching. Especially since they're back to back. Yes. But like, she was able to adapt and change to a, a better, not a better, but a more mature quality for yeah. Wendy, I feel yeah. like. Maybe Whereas so. Alice, she's able to be younger and freer and more curious. Wendy, because she's the oldest, has to take on more of a motherly tone. Sure. But Alice is still, like, she she's very skeptical. She is. And she's she's rather witty. Um, yeah. I mean, just even in the delivery. And her timbre, the timbral quality of her voice is a little, it's not, you don't think, oh, a little, little girl. No, 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 at no. At all. No, and we were trying to guess her age based mm -hmm. on how she was drawn. I and I was thinking, it. like, nine or ten. Mm. Oh, sure, sure. Um, and in the book, of course, it's closer to that. Uh, she looked 14 or so to me. Um, well, wasn't, wasn't Snow White also 14? I can never I tell don't remember. these old Disney characters are. I don't know how old they're supposed to be, but, like, I appreciate, like, she still had, like, baby fat legs, yeah. you know, and, like, a baby fat face. Like, she was, mm -hmm. Alice was still, like, I mean, not, obviously not a fat Disney character. No. Heaven to Betsy. Those are evil ones. Any, yeah. But, like, you know, I think, I just still of a childlike quality to her. Yes, I agree with you. So, I mean, if I were one of those age-determining uh, apps, I would, <laughs> I would look at Snow White and I would think 21 or, you know, 18 and I I would look at Alice and think 15 or so. But those yeah. are the facts, ladies and gentlemen. I Catherine know. Beaumont was uh, 13 at most and talented as heck. And she voiced those two characters, Wendy and Alice, until she retired at 2005. Anything from when she started to 2005 is voiced by the same actress, mm -hmm. which I thought to be able to still do that voice at an older age, yeah. 
that's talent right there. Yeah, like, absolutely. that's all you need to do for your life. And this is one of the first times that the voice actors were accredited. Right. I, this is what well, you're talking. I'm getting a sense, okay, Disney actors are a little bit more, they get a better but pension. they weren't credited <laughs> again until Jungle Book. Okay. So there's a break for a while. Well. So, interesting. I don't know what to make of your methods there, Walt. But know. let's, you know, let's talk about this motion picture. Okay. Let's talk about development, and I guess we could really talk about the art, because the art in this is very distinctive. It's super inspired by the wonderful, the one and only Miss Mary Blair. Now, inspired by, or, or, or was it, was, did well, you okay. spearhead so, the project? So, yeah, so, well, she drew a lot of the concept art, mm-hmm. but her concept art is always so kind of wacky and, like, I want to say, like, squared off. Does that make sense? Lin- so. Not linear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's lots of harsh lines in hers, mm-hmm. where in the background of this ended up being a little more fluid. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. leaves look like leaves. They don't look like square leaves. So, it was in, she did the concept art and, like, the artist kind of, like, tweaked it to make it a little bit more mainstream. Yeah, sure. I mean, she's not one of the nine old men, um, which uh, no. is silly. She's going to be a part of that club. But oh my God, she could have been. Yeah, exactly. She was, she was more distinctive than yeah. a lot of them. I agree. You know, even if towns were and and her kind of strengths were like picking the colors and like creating, like creating the world, mm-hmm. I feel like. And I think you can totally tell like anything that you see, like, oh yeah, this is Mary Belair. You can really tell if you've paid you, attention you can. to that. You can. This movie is designed artistically in a much different way. Even the vaguely impressionistic aspect of the reality in Snow White and Bambi mm-hmm. is not to be found here. They're not yeah. going for realism no, um, in anything not. but Alice's behavior and demeanor. And that uh-huh. has to be the rotoscoping. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, cheating. It's a very episodic film. It's a right. very episodic book. Alice goes from scene to scene. Um, the book and other versions play with the idea that it's a dream or not a dream. The mm-hmm. original doesn't expressly say, oh, it was a dream. It's all good. Yeah. It kind of deals with it, but you still aren't exactly sure. And not in a cute way, in a like, a, oh, what's happening? Way. Right. In <laughs> um, this one, it gets, it gets a little more literal, but what I want to talk about is just those couple scenes that were cut Perfect. from the book. Okay. You know more than I do. I'll tell you what's notably gone. Now, despite the fact that the Dodo, my favorite character in the book, and he's similar in the thing. Well, he's not my favorite character in the book, really. It's just that <laughs> I like Dodo birds. I got obsessed with them. Sure. There are these weird-looking, flightless birds that became extinct because of their flightlessness in the 1600s. Uh-huh. We have this image, but they, they were gone so quick. And they're so it's just like, it's like one's fascination with dinosaurs. It's like this sure. thing existed, but isn't real anymore. Yeah. They include the scene, Alice gets washed up through the pool of tears, and she meets mm-hmm. a mouse. And she scares the mouse with some cat talk. That's referred to later with the dormouse. Uh-huh. But uh, in the in the scene, she wins. They call it a caucus race, and the dodo is supposed to be a parody of kind of like, um, you know, the aristocrats, right, the, the right. gentry and whatnot. Yeah. And, um, you know, so the caucus race, what it's supposed to be is they're, they're all wet, and they can't figure out how to get dry, <clears> and <throat> they can't work it out amongst it's all these birds and mice and Alice, and they've all washed up on the shore. And the dodo is like, well, let's have a caucus race. And what it is is they all run around in a circle. So it's a parody of any time somebody organizes a caucus, you know, a, a committee to determine something, they just all run around a circle, but they oh, get dry. And since so she wins the circular race somehow, um, I've done it. They try. There you go. <laughs> The master of the circular... Do they have those at Disney? They have circular health oh, marathons? Oh, that'd be so funny. Because I would so funny. do that with I would you. do that, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Disney, you're yep. missing out here. Yeah. Oh, we give them so many good ideas. Once we they finally really find us, if they don't decide to sue us, they're going to have to pay us a little bit of something. I agree. Um, Just hire us. <laughs> 
Well, what it is is that there's a prize at the end of the race, and they can't think of the prize, so the dodo pulls a thimble from his pocket and gives it to Alice. And oh. that's not in the book. In, in the there. movie, you mean? Yeah, it, oh, yeah, that's not in the movie. That's mostly in there, though. Um, yeah. The parts that were mainly deleted, there's a duchess. And, okay, so they get the director's... It's the director's Little Mermaid, right? In Beauty and the Beast, uh-huh. um, Clements and Musker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they do this entirely too emphatic reading of storyboards. Um, but if you look at these storyboards, one of the reasons the original artwork was rejected for Alice is that it was too close to the illustrations, and which very, are a lot more realistic. Yeah, very scary. I would say, yeah, creepy AF is probably the right mm, description. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. She that's goes better. into a cottage as she's wandering, and there's a duchess there, and there's a cook there. The cook is ugly, the duchess is ugly, and there's a baby. The baby is crying, the Aww. cook is sneezing, or the duchess is sneezing. There's a lot of pepper in the air, right. and it's this chaos, and eventually the, the, the baby turns into a pig. It's this kind of horrifying scene, and, um, and, and the one thing is when I was watching the storyboards, it was all pretty horrifying, too, until the baby turns into, like, this doe-eyed, dumbo-like baby pig, and it's like, what? okay, here we go. So that was cut. Uh, try and guess why, guys. And then... Because it's weird AF. The best, I think, the best missed opportunity for a cool Disney character that was cut for pacing reasons, and they were right, mm-hmm. is the mock turtle. Yeah, I She know. goes off to the little island. A griffin leads her off to listen to a mock turtle. And it, it, it really, in the book, is like this break from all this crazy action. Yeah. But you can't have that in a short movie. No, you can't. You can't. So that was a missed opportunity, but they're all gone. At most of them, it's actually surprisingly faithful. In fact, they incorporate lines. The, cat, the Cheshire Cat sings uh, lines from the Jabberwocky poem. Oh, nice. And they wanted to put in the Jabberwocky poem, yes. which isn't even in the book. It's in Through the Looking Glass. It's just a poem that's that's not part of it, although the Jabberwocky figures in a bit. And so they cut a Cheshire Cat song uh-huh. to make room for the Jabberwocky, and then and cut then the Jabberwocky. Yeah. Also, speaking of things that were faithful, the doorknob is the only character in the film that does not appear in the book. So they yeah. added the doorknob character, according to IMBD. The only speaking character, of course, yeah. Oh, they have a beautiful. Yeah, I well, guess. what I'll tell you is that they have a beautiful moment. I noticed. So in the in the mo- in the book, in the book, <laughs> she goes right from the tea party to the queen. Oh, and what they do, and it's wise from a pacing perspective, at least as a movie. Yeah. they put in that big long wordless scene with all the birds. Oh, and yeah, that scene good. is kind of a classic. It is. It is. It may be like the best scene. It's very sad. It's sad, but it also introduces all these great weird inventive characters, like the owl with the accordion, mm-hmm. and the bird that's glasses. And oh, yeah, that's great. The little dog that sweeps with oh. its nose and tail and leaves her in a square. <laughs> And what I love about these forest scenes, too, is even in the tea party and the flower scene, it's all this colorful action on this black background. Yeah. And it gives it this really otherworldly quality. It's a very dark-toned and kind of dark movie. So I, agree. I, I think that's interesting that he went that route mm-hmm. right after just Cinderella. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. to go, like, yeah, we got him back. Let's be experimental yep. again. Like, Disney, I mean, I don't know how much he was handling this because, like, I mentioned it in Melody Time, but, like, don't 40. Don't us. <laughs> <laughs> but I, we were wondering, like, this is probably around the time that Disney started doing Disneyland things, mm-hmm. and it was. Like, I think Melody Time came out three months after he'd already started making plans. So, his attention so he was divided. checked out, but then, like, I feel like a heavy Disney influence in Cinderella, obviously, and in Alice in Wonderland. probably safely assume it through the 50s. What I'll say is Disney was a little dissatisfied with the product. Yeah. Um, he was not able to find the heart in the story. And, of course, in all of his brilliant films beforehand, heart has figured in pretty unambiguously. Right. 
without being too sentimental right. or corny. And this movie is so wacky. Alice is so dry that you can kind of see it. <laughs> yeah, she is a dry little girl. But, mm-hmm. but and I think I felt, I, I don't know, because watching it, I was always like, is this just, like, am I, do I like this movie because it's goofy? Do I like this movie because it's Disney? Because also, like, there's parts of me that are like, this is a weird movie. It's different. For, like, as a kid. And, like, I couldn't connect to it the same way I could other Disney movies. Yeah, Maybe of course. I felt that. Maybe I... And yet you guys but, remembered all the bits. Right, and exactly. The and then, like, seeing it again as an adult, like, yeah, we were checking in and out, but not for lack of quality of the movie. Mm-hmm. More or for, things like, to be entertained by. More for know. focus of, like, is our cocktail ready yet? But, like, um... <laughs> It, this was like I don't know maybe and maybe just being older now just like I had like a connection mm. to like oh I hope this little like I know this little girl gets home safe but like it was a weird yeah. like I had a heart connection to it as like as an adult mm-hmm. hoping that this little girl is okay yeah. more than I did as a kid watching it relating to that little girl like I wasn't a very curious little girl like I mean yes and I was imaginative but mm. I wasn't like disobedient like Alice so right. maybe, I was maybe thought like that's why I don't connect with her I'm not a little like I, I would have been back I wouldn't have right. gone down the rabbit hole <laughs> well your sister once disappeared for hours in the rain just having fun and she was just being <laughs> fine but your mom didn't know maybe she went to Wonderland and didn't remember uh, probably but uh, you know when you say that I think you know I don't I don't even know how much the movie is trying to put forth that whole investment in the character right I think that they went a different way with this one which is interesting so I wonder if they were like haha Walt's not here let's like let's make a movie that's truer to the book without adding all that heart mumbo jumbo mm-hmm. because the book doesn't have it right I don't know I'll, I don't tell, know. I'll tell you what the theory of one of the nine old men was okay sure I don't remember which nine Oh, man. Oh. When I finished the beautiful book you got me, I'll be able I to did, identify all of them. Yes, we've gotten each other beautiful books. We, we, we just, uh, we We're, love each other. We but do yeah, love each yeah, other. Yeah, that's in-laws for you. Compadres. Caballeros were the two Two caballeros. caballeros. Anyway, um, well, that's going to get edited. But, um... <laughs> The nine old man uh, that that uh, offered his opinion as mm-hmm. to why it didn't work is he. This movie had five directors. Ooh. Now I don't know what the going rate is for these movies because frankly, it's animation. There's always a lot of names on there, and it's not like it's a personality forward yeah. medium. We don't always keep track of who directed what. If we were real animation geeks, and we got to have any of you guys on for one of these things, right. so you can clarify us. Uh, please right. write us in for a spot. But there were five different ones, and he said <gasps> because it's such an episodic movie, everybody was trying to make like the craziest sequence. And, like, uh, do each other. You know who that sounds like? That sounds like a Ward Kimball. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Yeah. Like, we're all trying to do each other with the craziest mm-hmm, sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that beautiful matter I'm gonna, qu- I'm gonna quote it to Ward. I'm not 100% sure if it mm-hmm. was Ward. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. And, you know, again, you can always clarify us. But, uh, <laughs> what, what that made me want to know is who did what sequence. That's not information that I found delineated in any of the basic articles or anything like that. No, and I don't think, I think the book that I gave you more focuses on the characters. Yeah, yeah, Not yeah, necessarily yeah. the scenes. Right. That, that'd be interesting. Because directing see, that, that's what I'm animating. missing from like this. Like I didn't know that at all from this mm-hmm. little tiny two two minute yeah. freaking short that they we didn't saw. Go into that and we would have. And been this interested. is such an interesting movie. I was really expecting like a lot more information from yeah. it, and which is which is sad because this movie has such a cult following. It, sh- it sure does. And it is an odd man out in the Disney canon. It it's, really it, is. It allows for you to get a slightly different experience, and that's why it's its own kind of classic. Right. Like this movie was actually like it did really not well in the box office, mm. and it was it did not well in the box office and it was a failure actually and mm. it became a cult film during the 60s where it was viewed as a head film. Of course. Obviously. Of course. One pill makes you larger. Which we toyed with doing but um, th- we don't live in a state where that's legal. So Not at all, no. But if you, if you have a, 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 <laughs> but if you live in a state where that is a mushroom nearby, not that kind of mushroom, but one that you oh, found so in just a mysterious assumed, forest I just store. I weed. Okay, yeah, there you go. Or Whatever you want to do. <laughs> wow, okay. And 
one pill makes you small. Um, Anything that's labeled eat me or drink me, if you want to sure. kind of, yeah. Well, yeah, I just, I can see that. And so years later, it was the most requested 16 millimeter film available to rental title for college <laughs> colleges and oh individuals. You kids. And then in 1974, the studio took note of that, <laughs> withdrew rental prints, and then reissued the film themselves. Oh my gosh, so better get they, on it. Well, I just money. thought it was interesting, like, it was the first kind of, like, sleeper sleeper hit. Yeah. Right? Well, Is that kind of the right term? I think that's absolutely right. It has a cult film feel. It definitely has a head film feel. It definitely yeah. has colors that will be interesting to you <laughs> under certain circumstances. Yeah. You know, I've never done mushrooms, by the way. I just want to clarify that. I, I, we're very candid about our, our vices. I've never done that. Um, I you don't guys want know, to. It sounds very involved Isn't it from, intense. like, it's like mushrooms that grew up in cow shit? I don't know. <laughs> that would make it all the sillier. Like I, that, people I, say, it's quite therapeutic, but I don't know. It's a, mm, that's a, that's it sounds like tool. I like to be too in, in control. Like yeah, I, clearly, I was the Alice who I didn't want to go down the rabbit hole. Like I just didn't, and it didn't help the Jefferson Airplane song. One, two. And so it, it kind of has this like stoner <laughs> slash druggy alt alt Disney World quality where like you can dig this movie, but like and then secretly be a Disney fan, mm-hmm, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. Like, like, oh, I don't like Disney, but I dig Alice. You lead with that, yeah, and then you reveal that you cry to scenes in Beauty and the Beast or something like that. Right, exactly. Like, oh, Alice Alice in Wonderland got me to Disney, like, because I'm like, (laughs) blah, blah. But, like, it's just very, Stop posing, guys. Go ahead. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, just seeing it again with, like, fresher eyes, because it's been, like, Mm -hmm. it's been a decent decade since I've seen this movie. Sure. Just, like, seeing it again with, like, eyes and, like, trying, I was trying really hard to watch this not think of, like, the, almost, like, sometimes the drug culture has, like, negativity with it, you know, and trying not Sometimes. to think of it in like <laughs> the like, oh, this is just like a stoner movie. Yeah, or whatever. yeah. Well, hey, you know, you know what I mean. When one says stoner like that and, and gives the appropriate side, it's we're thinking about the people that just they use drugs not to think, right? You know exactly. what I mean. And this is a thinking movie. It is a think. It is to some extent a thinking movie. Right? It, is, it is sensory. I mean, no, too. I mean, it's Alice, witty. Alice poses that quote that you're going to lovingly put in right here. If I had a world of my own, everything would be nonsense. Nothing would be what it is. Because everything would be what it isn't. And contrarywise, what it is, it wouldn't be. And what it wouldn't be, it would. You see? And Dinah is just like, what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There are some lines and some deliveries that like it's, almost it's, one-up the book. It's an intellectual movie. It, and like, it like, does flatter, yeah. It, I mean, right. I know that Disney got rid of Huxley or Huxable or whatever his name was. Not <laughs> Huxable. Doesn't sound like he no, Huxley. Yeah, we had too many for one episode. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was intellectual, but I liked that little kind of... Yeah kind of nod to it. If the it trans-realistic was. thing was such a big part of the book sense. We're both on the floor right now. Yeah, we're, we're just like, such we're a time. Just Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, relax with us, guys. Pull up yeah, a chair. Get on your couch. Lay down. Yeah, or go outside and chase an um, anthropomorphic rabbit. Or do this. Even going back to the book, it's that, is it drugs or is it not? The bottom line is there's such uh-huh. a thin line between awaking sort of high uh-huh. and kind of the trans-reality that you feel in dreams. And I don't think you have to pick one or the other necessarily. The, the movie plays with that. The book plays with that. Yeah. That's what makes it such a nice but is that, departure. But I always wonder, like, I know we kind of look back on, like, oh, they didn't do that back then. They, did, I mean, but they did. You know, like, Coca-Cola was made with cocaine. <laughs> you always think, like, oh, that wasn't back in the day. That's, like, a modern thing. And yeah, Relating no, it to, were... like, a drug Opium dens, right? That was quite a 19th no, I, century, right? I oh, mean, even before, probably, but, people like... People had ways to get off this world. I'm just, like... 
is it really related to that, or is it just like our modern senses thinking that it's related to I'll that? I'll tell you, know you I mean? like, like the other thing, nobody really knows. Exactly. Nobody exactly. really knows. So you can you enjoy, enjoy it either this, way. You can enjoy this sober as a rock. You can enjoy this with a legal mm-hmm. substance of your choosing. And if you're going to go on any adventures of your own, just do it responsibly. Please. That's what we want. Please. Absolutely. Please, please. Yeah, but dream. Dream big. Have faith in your dreams. So yeah, let's 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 go to a couple of our staples. Let's talk about this wonderful cocktail that once again, wonderful Justine, wonderfully picked. I did. Go I ahead, did. Justine. What did we got here today? It's called the Earl Grey cocktail. Right? It is called an Earl Grey cocktail. So, it's a sugar and charm. As the people that came up with it. Oh well, well that's where I saw it on the website. But mm-hmm. um, so we brewed about. We modified it a tad. We we wanted a strong Earl Grey base, so we brewed about I think ended up being seven, seven or nine tea bags. And put in nine. Nine. So nine tea bags of Earl Grey lavender tea because it calls for a sprig of lavender in the direct in the decoration of yeah, the we cocktail. Couldn't find the damn thing. We couldn't find it. So but hopefully our pictures turned out well and you guys still enjoyed them. So Earl Grey tea, gin, honey simple syrup and mm-hmm. lemon juice. Yeah, yeah, simple easy, as easy, that. Lemon squeezy. It, it tastes uh, rather like an, an Arnold. I have such a hard time saying Arnold. An Arnold Palmer. Yeah. An Arnold Palmer. That's and, so hard to say. And Earl Grey sometimes has a bold quality to it. I think because we got the twinnings with lavender mm-hmm. Earl Grey, mm-hmm. it kind of subdued the Earl Grey a little bit, and it kind of you know it helped because it was supposed to have a little. Yeah, I, I really, I, do, I truly, I love tea, but I hate black tea, Justine. I think it, I think it, it has that taste like it's like black coffee, which I've gotten used to, but it's it's a combat. Taste. See, I like black tea way more than I like black coffee. Okay, interesting. interesting. Um, and we drank it out of these beautiful wedding teacups. Yeah, we that got those for our shower. From Mary, Mary Francina, who shares all of our posts. I don't know if she listens, but hopefully she does. So well, Mary we got Francina, that one for our wedding. That was a wedding. Yeah, the wedding actually, gifts yeah. from Mary mm-hmm. Francina. So Mary oh, Francina, yes. if you're listening, thank you you're so much. You're one of our biggest fans. Thank you so much, Mary Francina. Very accomplished uh, actor and yeah. uh, and otherwise up in New York. And yeah. yeah. And, so uh, thank you so much godmother, for... Best uh, godmother wife can ask for. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Yeah, thank you. You're a dream. Dream. Um, And that was like a, yeah. Um, Anyway, so check out our Instagram for that lovely, lovely picture that we, for our little mad tea party that that we had. that heart. Yeah, definitely. Um, So another thing. that heart. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Yeah. I want to touch on, before we get into park presents. Oh, sure. Does that have to get plugged back in? No, we got a good charge. Okay. You know, I was also in a production on stage of Alice in Wonderland. (gasps) Shut up. Were you also a morning glory? No. Aww. Here's what happened. I was involved in the children's theater when I moved down here. What that means is, and I've mentioned this, we would be in productions and we would get kind of ushered on in little kid scenes and yeah. stuff to be participants. And then right. they would have workshops where we could do real That's plays fun. for our own. It was great. But um, around age 12, I guess I was such a showboat. They were like, oh, let's give Ryan a, a bone. And they were like, hey, we're doing a production of Alice in Wonderland. Of course, I'm like one of the cards or something. And everybody, he says, well, the kids were going to be his cards or flowers. And they were right. like, do you want to play the dormouse? And I was like, <gasps> you effing kidding me? Ah! It's it was so great. cute. Do you have pictures? I need oh, to see Oh, I that. have pictures. I have the videotape. I got it all. Oh, um, and that's going to be entered right here. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got to play the Dormouse. And I mean, it wasn't, I mean, I had to wear like these Lederhosen and I was like, I, did, I kind of botched wait, the role. Wait, what? It was like these overalls and the outfit and stuff like, and the whole makeup. I had a lot of makeup. My God, it was a crazy thing. Oh, did you um, do a little poem? I, I love I, the dorm, Dormouse, right? Twinkle, twinkle, little bat. How I wonder what you're at. Up above the world you fly like a tea tray in the sky. Yeah, the Dormouse. I had a limited, I had a limited involvement, but I got to be on stage, do the thing. Did I you mean, hiccup? 
I didn't hiccup, but I should have. It should have been a tick, a character tick. I uh, I did sing along with a song sometimes, even though I wasn't supposed to. Oh yeah, no, I did what? that too. Like, oh, I bet. totally like I videos bet. of me like probably mouthing other words. Sometimes I just got to shove to the front of the crowd, folks. It's just how it goes. But that um, was a there's real scenes honor. in Harry Potter where Emma Watson's quoting other people's lines. <laughs> Because she learned That's all internalizing the, the character. There no, you no, go. No, no, uh, no. Well, that's us too. Perfectionists. <laughs> sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was, it's, it's so cool. We both got to be in a little production of that's it. That's so fun. And they're never, again, it's always a question of how good it is. It's never quite as good compared to the source material. No. But it's fun to be a part it of the whole show. It was so shebang. fun to be a part. I miss being in a play. And mm-hmm. you're in plays all the time, so I'm, I'm really in a play to, right now. It's breaking my balls in. I thing. need to find time for it because I miss being on stage. Yeah, you still got that. You still got a presentational air. In my job, though, I tell the people in my job, I'm like, no, this is, I couldn't be an actress. This is why I need all eyes on me. <laughs> but that implies that people have started by saying you should be an actress. Oh, no, no, no. I, I just tell oh, them. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I just tell. Um, <laughs> anyway. What trivia are you pointing out? Oh, I'm just, I'm just kind of seeing if there's any extra. Oh, we mentioned songs earlier. Oh, Apparently what? this is like the movie that came with the most, like there's the most songs in this movie. And let me see if I can find that, if that's real. Because they kept throwing darts at the board and it didn't work. Here's my opinion. <laughs> Here's my opinion, guys. First yeah, of all, I found this out. There's not any memorable songs. Well, I f- you absolutely right. There aren't any memorable songs. They're either contrived or they're silly or they're like charming but not like musically great. However, right. however, I found out the Alice in One, the, the slow ass, lugubrious ass intro theme is a jazz standard. quality, the weird chord quality, people like Bill Evans, who would totally, people, mm-hmm. pe- a lot of jazz folks were drawn to that tune and made their own yeah. spin on it, so, wow. so, you know, credit there, but I think but the music in this movie sucks. Did you know it was supposed to be a different song? No, I didn't. It was supposed to be a slow ballad. Uh, <laughs> a, a slower, slower ballad. ballad. <laughs> Oh my god. Entitled Beyond the Laughing Sky, and it was a song about Alice dreaming of a new world, a la Dorothy and Wizard of Oz about somewhere over the rainbow, kind of that that kind of vein. But it was difficult for Miss Catherine Beaumont to sing. Oh, they wanted her to sing it. And in a world of my own is livelier, just just slightly. Sure. And was easier for Miss Beaumont to sing. Why does the whispering wind music from beyond the laughing sky. She's so. got a bit of a, a Rex Harrison or a um, Glynis Johns I mean, she's quality. 13. She is 13, but I like that they use her lack of vocal prowess to advantage in this yeah. in those couple moments. Um, <laughs> Exactly. Now, my favorite song in the movie, mm-hmm. it pertains directly to you guys, is, you, is The Golden Afternoon. Slash, you can it. learn yeah. a lot of things from the flowers. Well, I didn't know that at the time. Things from the flowers. It's the most memorable one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Like, when you think of Alice in Wonderland songs, yeah. that's probably it sticks the, in your head the, and the it song has that you think of. Unless you, unless you sing song, I'm late, I'm late. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. No time to say hello, goodbye. I'm late, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. And when I wave, I lose the time I save. My fuzzy ears 
ears and whiskers took me too much time to shave. I run and then I hop, hop, hop. I wish that I could fly. Sure. And the, a lot of those great songs are song. yeah, they're barely sung. The, the Tea Party song It's almost song like a musical because like, it's like music accompanying speech. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very much like Rex Harrison. And I love my favorite line in any of the songs is spoken. It's when um, Alice goes, um, it's, they're painting the roses red. Yeah. <laughs> Which I have to admit is another memorable theme. Oh, yeah. That whole, not pink, not green. Not aquamarine. That's my favorite. I no, need to be my ringtone. I want that to be my ringtone. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, I've said it like nine times. Yeah, the, the whole flower sequence is one of my favorites. It's adorable. Here, so let's talk about where that movie is imprinted in the parks. Oh, sure. We heard a little factoid on the featurette. Only... Yeah, like the only useful factoid, I feel like, on the featurette. So this is the only movie that's referenced in two different ride attractions in Disneyland. So we this wrapped is, our brains to try to come up with what current. else. So if we think of just Walt Disney movies, obviously with Star Wars now being part of the universe and mm-hmm. Pixar now being part of the universe, that's different. But if you think about just Disney properties and then being open at the same time and just Disneyland, mm-hmm. like we have the teacups, which I think are in every park. It's like the most iconic. Teacups are fantastic. And then Disneyland has this beautiful dark ride. Mm-hmm. Alice, is it just Alice in Wonderland? Is this what it's called? I think, right? Something like that. And it's adorable. I love it. I think that's probably one of my favorite dark the rides. The movie looks like a dark ride. Yeah, it does. And so it, it fits that vein so well. Mm-hmm. And then so you like are riding in a caterpillar. Mm-hmm. And then like the building, the, the ride building is the rabbit's house. The White mm-hmm. Rabbit's house. And is right by um, the teacups. It's just awesome. And then so teacups are also, I think, like I said, I think they're in most of the parks. And they're also is referenced in Shanghai. There's a Alice in Wonderland maze. Yeah. Just like the maze. Oh my God. In the, the That's going to get me to Disney Park. Shanghai. That's amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. And so those are the main three. And then obviously there's also like a Cheshire cat cafe that serves mm. like a Cheshire cat tail that's a huge like Disney cult following thing. I'm not a huge sweets person, so I've sure. never eaten it. Um, but it looks it looks nice. It's big. And it's right by the teacups in Walt Disney World. And I think that's kind of the main thing. I, I know back in the day at Grand Floridian, they have a character brunch. And I think Mary Poppins shows up and also Alice in Wonderland characters show up. So I think it's like a mixture of like the t- like two main British things. It's in the 1900 mm. Park Fair. I think I remember meeting them. Also, I remember meeting Tweedledee and Tweedledum and the Queen of Hearts back in the day. Which are now only like limited event characters. Imagine running into Tweedledee and Tweedledum and the they're, big suits, all of them. Yeah, right? the and they were right suits. by the um, yeah, super scary. They were right by the. Uh, I remember them meeting them right at the exit of the teacups. So How wonderful. I, that's that's where it is in the parks. Oh yeah, that I know of. Well, I got a very important question for you, Justine. Yeah. As a teacup rider, yeah. What, how do you like to do it? What's your What's your preference? <laughs> so um, we try to fit all four of my sisters and I in oh, a teacup. You can. It is squished, and then we yeah, just because it. because there's four of us, mm-hmm. we just all like take turns like pulling that rider thing and yeah. spinning around. I am very lucky that two of my sisters are very athletic, and so the two <laughs> younger sisters will take charge and just like pull that thing. But like yeah. when we were younger, my dad would do it with all of us, mm-hmm. just keep spinning that thing around. I love to go as fast as possible. That's it's, probably the majority of people. It's kind of hard to spin it all and whatnot. Um, my favorite time riding it was when I went to Disneyland for my thirtieth. It was at night, so they have these beautiful paper lanterns all lit up. And we rode it while the Light the Night Parade was going on. This was during Disneyland's 60th celebration. So the Light the Night Parade was going on. So it's kind of this like fun, boppy music. And then like I'm spinning around there. So it's like lights up in the ceiling and it's open air and the sky and it's California. It's January and it was so beautiful and comforting and nice. Like that's probably my favorite time riding it. So I'm super so excited lovely. to see my next trip, what it's going to be like riding it with the special things. But Definitely. I love the teacups. I know my mom doesn't like them because of the spin factor. And I, 
can see that being a problem when I get older as well. But like yeah. for now, I'm going to spin on them as much as I can. Damn right. It's a fun dizzy. It's a fun, the only thing I don't like about the ride is the lines that can sometimes happen. And yeah, definitely at night, which I was recently introduced to the charms of that. It's, yeah, it's, it's so much more fun at night. I mm-hmm. feel like a lot of the rides are though. Definitely. Um. So that's kind of where we can see in the parks. I'm really curious to do that maze one day. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Of course. I, I love mean, there's that. lots of reasons I would go to Shanghai, but that that's that's a main one. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. I'm not sure what else is interesting in Shanghai. So, no. <laughs> I also. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they, they, I remember back in the day, the Arboretum around here did a big old hedge Alice oh, in Wonderland really? thing. I love to just find whenever there's an Alice in Wonderland related type situation. Aww. I like the tea party on birthday scene. That scene a is lot. a it's classic. classic. I like the painting of the roses red. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. And then my boyfriend comes back in the courtroom seeing Mr. Jose Caraco. Is one of the jurors. Carioca is in the is in the jury box. Yeah, he's, he is. Oh he's not wearing gosh. his yellow suit. He's they've he, got all the. He's yeah. dressed up demurely in a black suit for, for being a juror. But <laughs> Jose is totally in the oh, scene. Nice, yeah. Nice. So that I was love like, that guy. Still gets work. Yeah, man. I wish he was in every Disney movie going forward because he is. So a, I said it was the last one. Whenever I said it was the last one, Melody mm-hmm. time. Melody time. Yeah. Um, I'm glad. To, I was glad to see Jose back. Sad he didn't have yeah. a line, but glad he was back. Yeah, in the, in exactly. The shop. Let's talk about that tea party scene tea because party. that really. Yeah. Is the apex of the movie, and you've got two of the great personas, one of whom has not been in a Disney movie so far. That's Edwin. Yes. The, the inimitable, and of course, very imitable, actually, at the end of the day. Edwin, you know him from Mary Poppins, Which, you know him from this. Yeah, it clicked for this. It's, it's, he's pretty much playing the same character with, um, he has more of a lisp in Alice And I have a feeling <laughs> it's very close to just generally how he talks yeah. at the end of the and day. And then he passed away kind of shortly after Mary Poppins, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Was, he would have been a great voice actor, and I think other things. I'm sad he, he was not in some Mm-hmm. Disney getting these great personalities that do basically the same performance each time, like Sterling Holloway, right. like Phil Harris later with Baloo and um, yeah. the other bear. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, this is one of the great portrayals. Um, and if you're going to do a you know a sort of a cartoon Mad Hatter oh, yeah. for kids, this is the best way to do and it. And there's a great bit of trivia with him mm-hmm. doing this voice too. So the way that they did this is like he kind of did like a, a screen test. Is that the yeah, like straight? yeah, sort of. Yeah. So he's acting out being in the t- in the tea party so that the artist can sketch him, and he's ad libbing all these lines and. Disney hears it or sees it mm-hmm. or is there on set. And I was like, oh, these are great. Add these in. The animator's like, well, we just can't. Uh, uh, okay. He's gonna, he's gonna come back to yeah. So All right. Well, and so mm-hmm. he comes back to do the session, and it's just not as good mm-hmm. as when he was doing it. And so they found a way to like edit out all the extra sounds that were in the studio while he was doing this. And what the the bit that I think is mostly in is when they are trying to the fix clock. yeah the white <laughs> rabbit's watch. Butter, butter. Oh, thank you, butter. Yes, that's fine. Oh, this is the very best butter. What are you talking about? Tea! Oh, I never thought of tea, of course! Tea! <laughs> Sugar, two spoons, just a, two spoons, thank you, yes. Damn, I forgot all about chip! Just shows you what a pencil do. Mustard, yes, but. Mustard! Don't let's be silly! Lemon, that's different, that's. I love, I'll tell you what I love a lot of in this movie, and it's especially in that scene, is all the food and the liquid and the butter. There's a lot of kind of great, or like when the carpenter is preparing the oyster um, marinade that never gets used. There's a lot of fun stuff like that. But that tea party scene, and it's that Edwin has a great double in the famous Jerry Colonna from Casey at the Bat. Mighty Casey has struck out. As the martyr doing his sort of thing right there. Yep, yep. That's the same fella. And it is, I'll tell you, I love the Mad Hatter and March Hare, and they've been done 
done wrong in many adaptations, but uh-huh. this is not an adaptation no. that does it wrong. This is classic. This is good. Uh-huh, this uh-huh. Good. And this great dormouse that's, like, on Quaaludes or something oh, like yeah. that and keeps going, very, very okay. Aaron does it perfectly. Does. But just, like, the whole thing is delightful. So much better than I just... Mm. You know, it gets me thinking about all the different adaptations, and there there are only two that I want to make mention of. There's TV ones, and there's movie ones, yeah. and there's stuff oh. way back in the 30s, and there are silent ones, not mm-hmm. just waltz. Mm-hmm. Um, but the two I want to mention, one to really quickly deride, I'll just say, Tim Burton, that was the moment that I knew Blah. you weren't worth any salt anymore at all. Blah. That is a terrible, terrible, terrible movie. Occasionally, Hell in the Bottom Corner does something good in it, but just screw that movie. I don't think I've ever even seen it's it. It's dreary, and it's awful, and it takes creative licenses it doesn't you need know, to. I think about like that movie whenever that movie was released and I don't remember when that's probably what was like turned me off like ugh like they're remaking it with this like this turned me off yeah the cartoon itself it's just so unnecessary and if you're not gonna make it better why do it It you know Um, the only thing they added like they added other characters that were true to the book or did they right like they they had the white references yes they did add Anne Hathaway is in it as that or something because that's in through the looking glass is the white queen and the and the red queen it still doesn't it still is it's it's just as yeah it's just as close to the book as any other adaptation, a.k.a. not very. But the one adaptation that's fun that we talked about, because oh, we both yeah. saw it on TV in the 90s, is Disney Channel, right? Yeah, the Alice in Wonderland. It was just called Alice in Wonderland, right? And it was a 90s TV show. And it was fantastic. Hold on to your seat, go for the ride. Now that we're here on the and she, was, like, had the ability to, like, keep jumping back and forth between yeah. that world. It was so, it's the great lost, like, teen. It's like Sabrina Teenage Witch kind of show. Like, yeah, it really like, is. It's so good. And but they, with, have like, a, they have, like, a, like a, it's like a hip-hop Tweedledee and Tweedledum. <gasps> I say that because they do oh, rap. Yeah. They rap their stuff. And he's, it's, it's, so it's like, it's kind of a spin on it, and doesn't suck. No, it doesn't. I don't know if that thing ever got transferred to digital, but that's, you know, somebody's going to bring that back out and go remember this. God, I hope so. Yeah, definitely. Um, in general, though, I'm telling you guys, um, this movie and this book are the most classic versions, I guarantee Adventures you. in Wonderland is what Adventures in Wonderland. 92 to 95. Yep, yep, yep. Sorry, I just looked it up now. No, it's good. But uh, as far as other things, I mean, there's so many great characters in this movie. Uh, Verna Felton as the queen. Mm-hmm. A great performance of Rage mm-hmm. and classic Verna Felton being a a bee. Who's been painting my roses red? Who's been painting my roses red? Who dares to paint with vulgar paint the royal flower bed? Even though in Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo, she's not a bee. You know, it's no. one of those, yeah. And that was modeled after like a gossip columnist at the time who was like mean. <sighs> Is it like they Hopper modeled... or. Um... No, the other one. He told Hopper that it was based on her, oh. I think. Let me double check that one. Itchy, Disney. Look at uh, that. Yeah, like I think that. <laughs> I wonder what they were saying about him. That's where the Nazi stuff oh, got sh- started. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. probably. And I don't know the names of the actors. It was an instance where I didn't really see what else they did. But the couple characterizations of the White Rabbit Family. and the Caterpillar Blind. are both classic too. Oh yeah, I think. Uh-huh. I love the Caterpillar scene. Don't well, me you? Me too. Yeah, it's it's a, yeah. The colored smoke. Ooh. Ah, oh, yes. So the the verbal the letters that come out and so great. And why or or oh, this was the great one. He sends Alice away. Mm-hmm. She goes away through this <laughs> long winding forest. He's like, "Come back! I have something to say." It's this big long thing. Even if it's shortened, you can tell she's going a long way. Yeah, she comes yeah. back. He goes, "Keep your temper," and blows a bullseye into the chase. <laughs> 
so, oh my God. It's great. There's an element uh, of both the white rabbit and the caterpillar that illustrate, oh. and I'm going to say this because we were critics too. Yeah. Um, what I don't like about this movie. Agreed. And it reminds me of, we did a production in high school of The Bald Soprano. Uh, oh. the, uh, you I know, wasn't Your mom's colleague. No, you were out of high school at the time. Mm-hmm. Power to you. We got reamed because, you know, Ionesco and the Theater of the Absurd is all supposed to sort of be parallel with, it's like critiques of society and stuff like that. Coming from intelligent place. And, you know, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland has that kind of stuff in it, although it's also just a very brainly conceived book. But we got reamed because we put it in a lot of arbitrary weirdness. Yeah. Well, I think Alice in Wonderland, parentheses 1951, is uh, uh, guilty of a lot of arbitrary weirdness. When the caterpillar goes, like, exactly, it's like, why are you doing that? It's just to be silly. Yeah, I agree. Or also the moment, like, when, when, when the rabbit thinks she's Marianne, it's in the book that he he suddenly thinks she's a different character, but the way the movie's been set up, it's kind of like, why is he doing that? Yeah, it's very strange. Disney and his directors never got on the same page enough Uh -uh. to get that style. No. Exactly right. So what ends up happening is a bunch of disparate funny moments. You know what? A character I love is the king. And a king. (laughs) Oh, I love the king too. (sighs) Thank you so much. I like the king too. The little king and and his great. That's that. The king isn't in the book. Well, he is in the book, but he's not depicted like that. Ooh, hatch chili. I'm Trump. We've just been given quesadillas, similar yeah, to when um, your sisters used to go to Cinderella's castle. We talked about that. We had to have talked about <laughs> that last think we time. We did. I'm not sure. We got time. Mm. We're already over. I've already edited us under time. Or uh-huh. you're still with us. So do you want to tell them about that? Sure. I would make quesadillas for my sister. And pretend I was a waitress at a restaurant, and it was called Cinderella's Castle. And then I'd be like, oh, I'm on break. Can I eat with you? So I would just, I'd make them all quesadillas, and they'd, like, call each other up on these phones. And it would be, usually be a sky dancer would be the phone. Guys, <sighs> what games did you play? I'm sorry we're eating, but you know us well enough by now. What games <laughs> did you play? Yeah, sorry. What games did you play as kids that you made up that were weird, and uh, how were they related to Disney if they were? Yeah. Send us that. What else do you like about the movie, Justine? I like the, I'm going to get home safe. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The adult in me likes that he should get home safe. I like the flamingos. I like the croquet. I oh, like the, the British. whole croquet scene's great. Like, I mean, between tea and the Britishness and the monarchy of it all. Like, mm-hmm. I love the Britishness of this the movie. The monarchy of it all. I mean, the Britishness, I get it. I, I just like all that of the movie. I think it's great. And yeah, and she gets home safe. The whole croquet scene with all the all the yeah the big flamingos and and all the business when Alice's one goes all limp and silly and then tickles her. Yeah. I mean, oh my god, it's such great business. The kind of business that in a normal plotted movie you wouldn't get to think up. Exactly. And so, who, whichever of the five directors won that contest, yeah. uh, you all came up with some great stuff. Yeah, and I think this is a quintessential Disney movie because they get to really have fun with it. Yeah. They get to go these little side stories, mm-hmm. like the one with the oysters, mm-hmm. which is very sad. Oh, yes, the walrus and the carpenter bit, um, yeah. adapted uh, with some changes from, from the book. And yeah, that whole bit on its own on its own level is the classic bit of cartoonery. Yeah. The time has come! Well, heck, yeah, let's go ahead good. and rate. Yeah, let's go ahead and rate this lovely movie. What are we going to rate it out of? We do this all the time. Sorry. We can rate it out of little... Like little eat me or drink me Little cookies? pieces of like magic mushroom or little <laughs> vials or... Um, or oh oh no, let's rate it out of cards. Perfect. All right, so we got our, we got our ten playing cards here. Um, what do you want to give it? I'm going to give it three out of five. Okay. Okay, like, I liked it a lot, and I liked it a lot more than I thought I would watching it again. And then knowing that it was, maybe knowing that it was Ryan's favorite source material kind of growing up, I wanted to give it a lot bigger of a shot. Oh, how sweet. I love this cocktail. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Actually, now I'm changing it now, so that doesn't even count. I'm going to give it three and a half. 
Um, I think that's generous. Mm-hmm. I think that there's parts that kind of like lull, mm-hmm. but I think that it's still a very concise short movie. You can definitely tell now that I realize that there's five different directors because there's lots of visions going on. But I feel like if there's going to be a movie that does that, this is the only one that is able to. Yeah. You know what I mean? There really isn't a cousin to this movie anywhere else in the um, No, but I, no, I dug how weird it is. I like, I definitely want to watch it again, like not having to take notes and stuff. We missed a lot doing that, but like, I don't know, it was, it was, an, it was a nice, I was pleasantly surprised rewatch because I remember thinking as a kid that I was like, I don't really like this. So seeing it again, being pleasantly surprised, three and a half decent yeah. cards. Well, would you believe, and I don't know if this ever happened, I would give it the same rating. What? That, Has this ever happen. happened? If it did, it was Pinocchio or something. One of the good ones. I thought I liked this one better than I did because it's funny. So it rare. Funny. That it's, it's also, it's a little punky. But um, I think that it, it can get a little corny, yep. a little convoluted, yep. um, not as good as, as the promise embedded in it. But a five for Catherine Beaumont, and a, a five, one for each director <laughs> for the effort. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a small classic. Yeah, mm-hmm. I yeah, agree. yeah, I agree. Well, I guess we should close on out, get on back. I think that I think it's a great mm-hmm. episode. We've right? gone far enough down the rabbit hole. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. There you are. There you are. Yeah. Great pun. All oh, right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Like we said throughout this episode you can email us at diseasefollies at gmail.com you can follow us on facebook and you can like all our stuff and our beautiful cocktail pictures on instagram rate review subscribe listen to us wherever your most podcasts are listened to spotify apple podcast or whatever street corner we turn up on i think i think those are the main ones so check us out rate review and thanks for listening guys and tune in next time if you're interested in a visit to neverland (gasps) we will be there you want to say see you real soon Please slip away from this fish fry and go somewhere. I happen to know of an intimate little soda fountain. Why can't, Charlie? Can't do that. Besides, I'd like you to meet somebody. His name is Bobby Driscoll, and he's in movies. Bobby? Bobby?